Father, we want to thank you for your incredible grace, your loving kindness, your tender mercies. We thank you for your many, many, many blessings upon us. We receive them all because you said we should not forget your benefits with which you daily load us. And so, Lord God, we thank you for being recipients of those benefits. And we thank you, Lord God, that according to your manifold grace, we use your benefits to further your kingdom, to serve one another, and to share of your goodness. And so, Father, we thank you and we bless you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Good. So, this is the day that was been advertised. This morning, we kick off the series on having the mind of Christ. And I want to remind you, all week long, Monday through Friday, you saw the, uh, the commercial. I really encourage you to come back so you can get the rest of the message. Now, if there's any one message, or shall I say one uh, biblical revelation that has impacted me mostly, apart from being born again, and apart from the understanding of the gospel of grace, what you're about to hear this morning and all next week is it. Now, I truly wished, I know some of the things I know now, maybe three, four, five years ago, but the point is, I didn't. Now, I cannot go back and relive the past, but I can make a brand new start. Amen. And that's the same thing God has for every one of us now. I don't need to tell you the bombardment that's coming at us, all of us, when it comes to our mind. Uh, we're in Vietnam, oh, what's this, November last year, and they wanted us to teach on spiritual warfare. That was the theme that they gave us. And I sat down, I studied, and I prayed, and I got up and I told Bishop Adeye, who was with me, and Pastor Tosin, I said, you know what? Based on what I know now, most of the warfare that we experience, talk about, and actually see takes place between your two ears. Most of it. If you can learn how to live between your ears, you'll be totally home free. Now, you don't learn this in one day. You don't learn this in one message. It's a daily practice based upon the word of God that gives you and I the victory. But one thing I can tell you, it works. There is no... There is no argument. There is no debate. It works. The enemy understands that if you can get us between the ears, which is our mind, and can get you and I to believe a lie about us, believe a lie about God, and believe a lie about each other, your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, your co-workers, he plants that seed, and if you buy it, you're finished. That's all he boils down to. Believing a lie about who you are, believing a lie about who God is and what God has said, and then believing a lie about one another. And hopefully over this next week, God will help us to unpack the message, and all of us, I pray, I pray, I pray that God will help us to live here with understanding on how we are truly to reign in this life through the one, Jesus Christ. Because if you cannot overcome the things that come at you, you really cannot reign. That's the bottom line. Amen? So first scripture this morning, actually the subtitle to this message this morning is, Jesus gave you a brand new mind. Jesus gave you a brand new mind. So let me start from Luke chapter 22, verse 20. In the NLT, thank you very much. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, 
customarily when we see that scripture, when we see that scripture, normally, customarily, ordinarily, we immediately think forgiveness of sins. Now, forgiveness is certainly included in the blessings secured by the death of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But most times when we think of the blood and we think of communion and we think of the new covenant, the first thing that comes to our mind is the forgiveness of sins. And again, yes, certainly, it's included. But I want you to pay attention to this scripture one more time. Notice that Jesus did not say, this cup is forgiveness in my blood. Let me pause. Now, I'm not taking forgiveness away from you. So don't, 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 don't think too hard. I already said it's included. Okay? But the point I'm making is, Jesus did not say, this cup is forgiveness in my blood. Rather, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, I believe this quick thinking, quick uh, uh, trying to uh, uh, understand or estimate what the cup is all about is the reason for some of the lapses that we have in the teaching concerning the new covenant. Now, let me move on a little bit here. The new covenant is far more than forgiveness of sins. Are you guys here this morning? Yeah. Say far more. Say far more. far more. Yeah. It is far more than forgiveness of sins. So if care is not taken, if we just camp at the forgiveness of sins, we do so sometimes at the exclusion of the other things for which the new covenant was enacted. I'm going slowly and taking my time because I want to make sure we understand this. The scriptures reveal that the new covenant has three basic areas of blessings. Three areas. You can give this to me in Hebrews chapter 8, please. Hebrews chapter 8. Give it to me in the same living translation, new living translation. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. Thank you. So the scriptures reveal that the new covenant has three basic areas of blessings. Now, this scripture is also, uh, Paul is repeating this from what Jeremiah chapter 31 said. So Hebrews 8.10. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. Here we go, the three things. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Go on, verse 11. And they will not need to teach them their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you shall know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Verse 12. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will, again, I will never again remember their sins. So let me give you three things quickly. Number one, and this is not in any order, the three basic areas of blessings that come with the new covenant, the, the first one we see is the forgiveness of sins. We see that in Hebrews 8, 12, where it says, their sins and their lawlessness deeds I will remember no more. Secondly, an intimate relationship with God. We see this in Hebrews 8, 11. It says, all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. The new covenant affords every one of us, young and old, the opportunity to develop a relationship, or rather an intimate relationship with God. When we are fully operating in the new covenant, we will not need prayer contractors. 
Because he said, from the least of them to the greatest of them, they will know me. Oh, no exclusivity. And then finally, there's an internal work of God producing an increasingly godly life in and through us. Hebrews 8.10, it says, I will put my laws, where? In their mind, and write them on their hearts. Those are three basic areas of blessings associated with the new covenant. Namely, again, forgiveness of sins. Secondly, the access to have intimate relationship with God for everybody. And number three, the increasingly enablement of God to produce the godly life in and through us. How? Through the placing of his word in our minds. Now, before I make another point, let me, let me go further to say, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, in the Passion Translation place. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. Thank you very much. We carry this confidence in our hearts because our union with Christ before God Look at verse 5. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. What's the point I'm making? I'm saying to you that these blessings, the scripture we just read, confirms further to us that these blessings we just talked about depend upon God's provision, not our performance. The forgiveness of sins, being able to have access to intimacy with God, and God producing the godly life in us and through us on an increasing basis. All those three things depend totally on the provision of God, not our performance. Now, let me go back and look at something here. Going back to Hebrews 8, verses 10 through 12. This is important. Hebrews 8, through 8 to 12. Three things, huh? Three major areas of blessing. Is that correct? Do you remember what those three things are? Can anybody shout them out? Very good. Intimacy, very good. Producing God, very good. Very, very good. Now, when you go back to that scripture, beginning from Hebrews 8.10, look at the order of the listing of those benefits. Because when we normally look at the new covenant, the first thing that comes to our mind is forgiveness. When we talk about the gospel of grace, the first thing we hop on is forgiveness. Now, those things are true. But look at how God, the order in which God sent the message. Hebrews 8.10, the first thing he said, I will put my laws in their minds. The second thing he said in verse 11, all of them shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Where is forgiveness of sins? A distant thought, verse 12. <laughs> Okay, all right. Is, is that too deep? No, the forgiveness of sins is important. 
I know that God knows that. But as far as living on a day-to-day basis, as far as reigning in life, January 26, 2020, what you and I have to grapple with in order to reign, number one, your mind. Number two, access and intimacy with God. Number three, as a foundation, understanding you are forgiven. Now, again, again, I'm not taking away forgiveness of sins. We know what the blood of Jesus did. Through the cross, he accomplished and paid in full the price for our redemption. But redemption and the new covenant, they are not uh, synonymous. Redemption is a part of the new covenant. He took the redemption to usher in the new covenant. But once you are in the new covenant, you have to understand your priority. You are born again, yes. You are born again. Your sins are forgiven. You are born again. Now, but how do you live today? How do you live tomorrow? How do you live in February, March, April, May, and on and on and on and on? God wants you to know, according from his own perspective, looking at us, he's saying, you better get your mind in order. And while you're doing that, the only way you can accomplish that, you need to know me. It's one thing to know about you, another thing to know you experientially. Are you following me? Because I'm trying to give you the connection between the new covenant and having the mind of Christ. Now, how can it be that such measureless spiritual abundance becomes ours through the new covenant of grace? How? To have my, the loss of God in my mind, to have access to where I can know God, and then at the end of the day, to know that my sins are forgiven? How can all of this be possible? Give me 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, in the Passion Translation place. How can it be that such measureless spiritual abundance becomes ours through the new covenant of grace? How is it that we can have our sins forgiven? We can get to know God intimately and at the same time have the laws of God, or if you will, the mind of God in your mind. This is what the scripture says. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. Oh my God, we should take a pause right there. Huge. Many of us as we sit now, many as you listening, watching, you are a product of previous generations. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There were some things your fathers did, your mothers did, your uncles did, your sisters and brothers did in a previous generation that you have not learned how to cut yourself away from them and you are just, you've been handed, according to the scripture, empty and futile way of life from generation to generation. And if care is not taken, you pass it on to the next generation. That's why we need to arrest it. It is futile and it is empty. And when you do those things, and people ask, why are you doing this? Well, that's, that's who I am. Really? <laughs> that's not what the Bible said. The Bible says, if any man or woman being Christ is a new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if I'm doing something that is futile and empty and someone challenges me, I don't have the luxury of the excuse, that's just who I am. Why? I'm a new creation. You are a new creation. Your DNA and genealogy should now be in Christ. Yes. Not in your father or your mother. Yes. 
They were just mere instruments to get you here. But after you are here and you become born again, you become a totally, completely new entity. And I'm challenging you because there are some sacred cows that we've maintained, we give milk to, we feed it, and we continue to live like that, even though it has not worked. It's all we've known, and we keep on doing it. And we keep on doing it. And once somebody challenges it, we say, oh, no, no, that's the way I am. No, that's not the way you are. Verse 19. Oh, oh, no, no, verse 18. Oh, let's go back, please. Thank you. Last sentence, they say, it was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes. Peter is helping us to understand how do we get this spiritual abundance, measureless, of God's blessing in our lives. How? How do we qualify for it? How? What happened? How did it come to pass that you and I stand at this brink and can enjoy these incredible benefits from Jesus Christ. He's telling us it was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes. So all the money in this world cannot buy what God has given you. God wants me and you to understand silver and gold do perish. Just go to the stock market and watch what happens. The day this coronavirus hit, watch what happened. The market just zoom. One virus that happened where? 8,000 miles away in China. When the news hit New York Stock Exchange, zoom. Stocks went down. Why? Because fear, men react to fear. Hey, is this the biological warfare that's going to wipe us all out? Or the climate change, thank you, Pope. So God did not earn or ransom you and I based on earthly materials of silver and gold. Verse 19. But the precious blood of Christ who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. So this new covenant that we're talking about this morning was not purchased with a limited earthly wealth like silver and gold. Rather, it was paid for by the infinite heavenly treasure, the blood of Jesus Christ. No wonder the new covenant provides such amazing and effective resources for all who depend upon the one who died for them. And I don't know who, where you are this morning. If you're here and you're not born again, you need to understand, God wants you to depend upon the one who has already died for you. Yes. Whether you've believed it or not, he's already done it. Yes. The provision is already made. Yes. He's already forgiven you of your sins and given you access to his glorious throne and kingdom. But you have to receive it. It's not an automatic thing. You must open your mouth and say, Jesus, I want you. Now, again, this does not minimize the importance of forgiveness of sins, but it helps us understand how God is thinking regarding us. And so now this brings me now to the theme for this week, having the mind of Christ. Now, I'm making the connection because from Luke 22 and from Hebrews chapter 8, you just saw the three basic areas of blessings that come to us as a result of the new covenant. The first one listed, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, please. The very first one listed, Hebrews 8, 10. Thank you there. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. What's the first thing he said? I will put my laws in their minds. And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, did God mean what he said, or what? Did God do this, or he didn't do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. He said, in the new covenant, it should not be like the old. What happened in the old? Moses had to get 
two tablets where the law was written. So the law to Israel was external, externally imposed. Are you following me? Yes, sir. Oh my goodness. The law or the mind of God in the Old Testament was written and they had to read it and believe God to get it from the outside in. But God said in the New Covenant, it's not going to be a matter of what you reach out to get it in you. I, God, like with the finger of God, wrote on the two tablets, now I will write my law, my perceptions, my thoughts, my feelings on your mind. I will do it myself, not you. Oh, let me give you a classic example. Let me give you a classic example. In Genesis, chapter 37, and so forth and so on. Okay, how many people have read the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? You all know what happened, right? How Potiphar's life liked Joseph a little too much. Oh, no, about eight people. The rest of you guys, what you read, the Quran? <laughs> the question is, how did Joseph know it was wrong to sleep with Potiphar's wife? The law had not been given. And Joseph said, how can I do a thing like this and sin against my God? How? How did he know? Where were the Ten Commandments and the law will not be given for hundreds of years later. How did he know? How did he know in Genesis 37 that his brothers were doing the wrong things because he reported and brought their bad report to his father? How did he know what was wrong? There was no law. Why? Because God has placed that in the inside of man. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And the point I'm making this morning is that for you and I, there is a place, there's a realm when you and I have the, re- the mind of Christ and we can think the way he thinks. Yes. Oh man, that sounds so deep. <laughs> Some of you guys are looking. <laughs> okay, let's go to the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Actually, give that to me, please, in the Amplified Classic. Thank you. Yeah. You see, because if you and I are going to really reign in life through the one Jesus Christ, apart from the Father, our sins are forgiven, we must now embrace our true identity in order to reign through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You must understand that when you became one with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I were given a brand new mind. Now, let's read the scriptures. But, on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Go on. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. Go on to verse 16. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thoughts, except the man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now, now this is important. Look at what the Bible says. You and I, as born again people, have not received the spirit that belongs to the world. If that's the case, why are we acting like the world? 
Why are we acting like the world? Why do we respond to offense, respond to agitation, respond to circumstances, respond like the world? Why? The Bible says he has not given us that spirit. Okay. But he, or rather the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate their gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. Go on, sir, ma'am. <laughs> and we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Go on. But the natural, non-spiritual mind does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. Now, let me just pause there. I was, I was ministering in Lagos last Sunday, and I was telling them during the message about this issue of sharing Christ. Many times we want to witness, we want to share Christ, and we... We're trying to unload on unbelievers, giving them 19 scriptures. How in the world do you think they're going to understand it? The Bible is very clear. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. No. You're wasting your time. Except a person that's studied a little bit and the Holy Ghost helps them. But sharing Christ is simply telling stories that people can relate to. I was blind, now I see. I was a drunkard, but now I'm delivered. I was a whoremonger, but God has set me free. Hello? Worry, anxiety was my middle name, but now I have peace. People can relate to those stories. It's our testimonies that draw people. And then when I ask you questions, you can tell them further. But don't go knock people off the head and say, do you know what the Bible says? <laughs> Romans 3, 16, the wages of sin is death. And you think and you expect for him to understand that? When he's collecting wages every week at work and the wages is in dollars and cents. Dollars and cent. <laughs> tell people stories they can relate to. Because the Bible makes it plain. The natural man cannot receive nor understand the things of the Spirit of God. They don't understand that. But they understand I was sick and God healed me. They can understand I was broke and now God has delivered me. I'm no longer living in poverty. They can understand that. Simple message that opens people up to ask you further questions. The God has witnessed to me. He didn't give me scriptures. He just said, bank, you need God. Now, how deep is that? <laughs> when you tell a heathen, he needs God. Very simple. And he left the rest of the Holy Spirit to deal with my mind, my head, day and night. You need God, you need God, you need God, you need God. It became a song. You need God, you need God, you need God, you need God. And God was able to bring that manifestation forth. So remember that. The natural, non-spiritual mind does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. They're just going to argue with you all day long. For they are folly, meaningless nonsense. That's exactly what it is. No, knocking on people's door, you need to be born again. What does that mean? No, seriously. Listen, I shared that with my own mother. You need to be born again. She looked at me, really? She referred me to all the, to the wall. I don't know, were you there? She said, look at the wall. I'm the mother of this in the church. I'm the mother of that. And she was giving me all her credentials, things, and awards she's won in church. So now, with all these awards, you're asking me to be born again. What in the heck does that mean? And then she asked the question, Nicodemus asked, are you saying to me I must re-enter my mother's womb who's been dead and be reborn? She asked me. Wrong thing to say. Wrong thing to say. Give stories, testimonies, examples, 
that will meet the people where they are. Because otherwise, it's meaningless and it's nonsense. For, and it, the Bible goes on to say, and it's incapable of, go on. Okay, that off just dropped off. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> now, verse 15. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into questions and discerns all things. That's a spiritual man. Yet, is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern our praise or get an insight to him. Now, verse 16 is the key. That's going to be a key scripture all week. Verse 16. For who has known and understood the mind? What is the mind? The counsels and purposes of the Lord as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. Are you Job? Remember what God did with Job? But this is the key. We have the mind of Christ. Very definitive. For a long time I read the scripture and I missed it. For a long time. Notice this scripture is not saying you will have. You already, right now, presently, January 26, 2020, you already, right now, this nanosecond, have the mind of Christ. Huge. But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold your thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So the definition of the man of Christ, very simple. The simple definition of the man of Christ is having the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. This is what we're going to This is where we're going to come all week long. The thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. That's the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is the feelings, or rather, the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. Now think about that. Think how big that is. Because the Bible is saying to you that you have that mind right now. It says to you that you already, as we speak, you have the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart right now dwelling in your born again self. Let's, let's go back to the scripture I said earlier. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what I used to say about that scripture? I used to say about that scripture that our spirit man is recreated and our mind and our soul is lost. That was my understanding. But notice what the scripture says. Therefore, if any man being Christ is a new creation, it is a new spirit. The Bible didn't say, when you're born again, you're a new spirit. That's not what it said. You're a new creation. How can I be a new creation without my right mind? So we used to teach that we have to renew our mind, and that is correct. Our minds need to be renewed. Yes, that is correct. But we are not renewing it because there is a deficiency what God did. No. We are renewing it because we are being bombarded with things that's not really part of the program that God put in there. And you have to be able to uh, allow God to do the work. So let, let's go to the scripture, Romans 12. Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2. Give that to me in the Passion Translation. Dr. Nofiak helped me with that a few Wednesdays ago. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous masses? 
I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights in his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. This is huge. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Yes, sir. But be inwardly transformed by who? The Holy Spirit. This is the problem. You and I have been trying to do this on our own. We have been trying to renew our own minds on and by ourselves. But the Bible is telling us that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Game changer. Huge game changer. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. How does it happen? By a reformation of how you think. But how does that reformation take place? The Holy Spirit. We just read the scripture earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. We do not have the sufficiency of our own, in our own self, to make any change, to do anything. But it is God that is at work in us and through us. Now, you say, well, if, if we have the mind of Christ, okay, we, okay, I was born again, have the mind. Why are things not just automatic? Why can't I just put my life on cruise control? After all, it's God that's doing it. It's what I got me born again. It's one that's renewed my mind. So why can't I just go to the beach, get a Kool-Aid, lay in a chair, and just chill? <laughs> very simple. Very, very simple. And that's what we're going to be unpacking all week long. But when it comes to God, everything boils down to choices. As I'm speaking this morning, some of you are saying, no, I can't. I, you're already arguing with me that you don't have the mind of Christ. <laughs> some of you, you're already engaged in the argument. You already say, you've already disqualified yourself. Because you're saying, man, this is just way out there. How can I have the mind of Christ to have the feelings, thoughts, and purposes of his heart? Really? Me? You are forgetting that it was not done through earthly means. This is a divine, supernatural thing that God did. Because he understands that you will not reign in this life if he doesn't do it. Yes. So two problems we have. Number one, both of them in Hosea chapter 6 verse 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We didn't know. We didn't know. We did not know. We did not know that we have the mind of Christ. Two, some of us know it, but don't believe it. Two-fold problem. For some of us, we did know. We did not know. And number two, for many of us, we do know, but say, no, it's not possible. There are those that are saying that right now, so I speak. Right now. Now, 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 now. Not tomorrow. Now. You say it's not possible. Now, these are the implications. The Bible says, let this mind be upon you, or be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's there. Now, this is the implication. The mind of Christ. Can anybody tell me if Jesus was ever depressed? Okay, okay, let me go, let me do my, let me do my count now. Was Jesus ever in fear? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Bible scholars. <laughs> Jesus was afraid. When was he afraid? When it, okay, this is very interesting. I have, I have a couple of minutes left. So she said he was afraid at the garden when he didn't want to die. Is that correct? No. Absolutely not. He was distressed. Let, 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 and even in that distress, it was momentary. Because immediately, and, and, this is, and, and I, like, I like that example, because it helps us understand how you and I can be in and out. 
So for a minute, he believed the wrong thing about himself, about God, his father, and his circumstance, and he was in distress. But just that quickly, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Go back in, into, into, into play. That's the classic example. He could have remained in a position of distress by focusing on the problem, but not on his father. And that's what happens to you and I. We have the same set of opportunity every day. Was he in fear? No. Was he in lack? No. Did he feel condemned? No. Did he ever feel ashamed? No. Did he ever feel guilty? No. Oh, no, no. Oh, did he ever hate anybody? So why are you hating people? Was there a person that Jesus did not love? Why are we being selective in who we love? If a gay man or woman walking here right now, many of you will lose the Holy Ghost. Automatically lose the Holy Ghost on the spot. Because you're saying, ha, look at this man. Hey! Man and man getting together. Amen. The implication is huge. When you have the mind of Christ, the way husbands and wives will be different. The way you relate will be different. Totally different. You see, uh, when I said that, some of us say, you, you don't know my husband. <laughs> or you don't, know my, you don't know the rascal I'm living with. You don't know my wife. As if God did not make all of us and understands who we are and factor that into the equation and say you have the mind of Christ. So people perish for lack of knowledge and others perish because they don't want to believe what God has said. But I'm telling you, one of the greatest revelations of all time is understanding that we have the mind of Christ and how it works on a day-to-day basis. It's working for me right now. Amen. And I'm going to get a chance to share that with you from tomorrow on. But suffice it to say, you have the mind of Christ right now. Amen. And it's the Holy Spirit that's renewing your mind to conform it to the feelings, thoughts, and its purposes. A low-hanging fruit. If we really truly have the mind of Christ, how will we respond to sinners? Our perception of unbelievers will change. All of a sudden, you'll be gripped with the same purpose that God has. Because remember, the mind of Christ is the feelings, thoughts, and purposes of his heart. You will not want to see anybody go to hell. Yes, sir. It is very quiet. <laughs> you will give lavishly and generously. Because that's the mind of Christ. Nobody will have to prompt you, prime you to give an offering. Because you have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this first installment of this message. And we just pray, God, that you open up the ears, I mean the eyes of our understanding to bring clarity and understanding to your message, helping us to come to grip with your benefits, which are numerous. You daily load us with benefits. You've forgiven our sins. You've given us access to your throne of grace, to where we can get to know you intimately. And you crown it all by giving us your mind. The feelings, the thoughts, and the purposes of your heart. And so Father, help us to be established in this message, in this revelation, so that indeed we can reign in this life through the one, Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your provision. We thank you. We thank you. 
We've had a thousand tongues. We could not thank you enough for what you've done for us. And so right now, Lord, I pray for every man and every woman that's struggling in their minds. I come against anxiety of every, fall, every, every kind. I come against worry of every kind. I come against depression of every kind. Father, in the name of Jesus, you gave us a brand new mind and we received a brand new mind for every man and every woman. Free of anxiety, free of worry, free of depression. Father, in the name of Jesus, if Jesus was not depressed, we should not be depressed. Thank you, Father God. We come against those principalities. We cast them down in the life of every believer. Father, in the name of Jesus, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And so therefore we release freedom in this room right now. Freedom to worship you. Freedom to serve you in the name of Jesus. You say you've given us, uh, you've not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. We receive soundness of mind right now. In the name of Jesus, sound mind. We think like you, we feel like you, we purpose like you, because that's what your word says. Thank you, Father God, for your gift of grace. You've made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and now you crown that by giving us your mind. And so, Lord God, we, I receive that mind right now. I receive it, Father God. I receive it, Father God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for a brand new mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Celebrate your mind right now. Celebrate it. Hallelujah. Celebrate it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus.